Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Good morning, Thrive Church. How we doing? Good, good. Of y'all felt tricked out because you saw Kevin probably 20 minutes ago. You're like, wait a minute, he's on the screen? Yeah, he's actually in like, you know, the Wizard of Oz. He's actually behind a curtain somewhere uh, shooting videos. Uh, but no, just as he said, um, he's at the Richmond campus today. Um, for those of you, maybe if you don't know, uh, we're actually launching a second campus in the Richmond City area. Um, yeah, let's get excited. And... Uh, in the fall is when we're going to be launching that. So between now and then, it's just kind of the the working kind of. If you've ever uh, ridden a bicycle uh, for the first time, it's kind of it's kind of tough. So you're having to learn the way it runs. So that's what we're doing there. Uh, we're getting that uh, beautiful thing off the ground. Um, Real quick, before we jump into the Word today, I just want to give you just a few short announcements. Um, Tonight, if you're new to Thrive Church, if this is your first Sunday with us, or maybe the past month or so, uh, you're new to Thrive, and you want to know more about who we are and why we do what we do, uh, tonight we have an event called 101 Newcomers Coffee. And what that is, is the time that Pastor Kevin, uh, he shares the vision of the church, uh, shares his personal story of how he met Christ, um, and also where this church is going. Kind of, It's kind of getting on a bus. You know, you're here, you want to know where the bus is going. You want to kind of hang out with the driver, make sure you can trust him. Uh, that's what that whole gathering is designed for. Uh, and that's going to be at 6 o'clock tonight in the cafe. And, and if you've been to Newcomer's Coffee, uh, we want your next step is to go to 201 Connect. That's an event we do uh, every other month. And that's just a time that we just talk about how God has gifted you, how God, your different strengths of how uh, God created you. Um, we do that through a personality profile, spiritual gifts assessment. Um, it's not done to kind of uh, put you in a box, but to make you aware. Um, because there are so many people, uh, we try so many different things because we want to find our niche, our thing that, we're, that we actually are good at. Uh, and this is designed just to help kind of narrow that focus, kind of zoom in on the scope. Uh, and that's also tonight at 6, and this is going to be in the cafe. Um, and then also, man, I, I love this because I, I actually get to be a part of this. Next Sunday is Father's Day. Can all the fathers just give me a just grunt say, ugh. God, that's so good, so manly. Um, we're going to honor you fathers next Sunday, so make sure you come out for that. Don't don't skip out. Don't say because it's Father's Day, I'm just going to sit in the chair and watch TV. Come and join us. Be a part. Uh, and then also, this coming Saturday is our men's conference. Um, it's a free conference for all men. Uh, I, I, this past Wednesday night, I told the men there's going to be so many men here that you're going to be able to blow your breath and build something. There's going to be so many men. Um, they, I got a better reaction uh, at Wednesday, but I guess we have more men. Um, anyways, that's going to be starting at 8.30 a.m. Uh, this coming Saturday, and that's when registration starts. The first session starts at 9. It'll go until 1, and we are giving you free lunch. I said it slow so you catch it fast. Free lunch. So you have no excuse. The whole thing's free. Alright, so let's go ahead and get to work this morning. Uh, today we're in our second uh, week of the series going through the book of Ephesians uh, that Pastor Kevin kicked off last week. So turn with me in your copy of God's Word to 1 Corinthians 15.22. 1 Corinthians 15.22. Um, and also put your thumb in Ephesians chapter 1. Um, if, if you're special and you have one of those little ribbons in your Bible, you probably just want to stick that bad boy in the book of Ephesians. Uh, so you don't have to find it every uh, 
Sunday. But 1 Corinthians uh, 15.22. And as you're turning there, um, I just want to ask a question just real quick. And when I ask questions, they're easy. Um, They're not difficult because then I wouldn't get a response and then it would just be weird for everybody. Um, But who would you say is the most important person in human history? Just shout it out. Jesus. That's the correct answer and it's the best answer since you are in church. Um, I know some of you are looking, about to say your spouse's name, trying to get some brownie points. Not yet. So that's perfect. Now we are going to get a little bit tougher. Who is the second most important person of all human history? Adam. Look at there. Got it. Some of you, again, you're about to say your wife's name. And you know what? That would have been a good point to interject that. You would have gotten some good brownie points. Um, So we'll just go from there. But Adam is the correct. See, the Bible is a story primarily about just two people. Adam and Christ. And the truth is, is we are either in Adam or we're in Christ. There's no in-between. You're not in yourself. You're either a part of Adam or a part of Christ. Uh, And I heard a lot of sermons growing up about crossing over rivers and slaying giants and words that were very encouraging and words that were just just sermons that were about me getting to do something, getting me motivated to do this or do that uh, for Christ. And I never really heard um, the fullness of the gospel. Of what does it really mean to follow Christ? What does it mean to be in Christ? Um, I was talked about and told when I was living in sin, um, or when I was in the Spirit. Uh, and there are books and people that will talk to you about all that, but um, for me it's been a journey to know what it means uh, to be in Christ. Um, and to really discover what that means. And as we dive into the book of Ephesians, we'll look at Paul as he outlines around nine key points of what it means to be in Christ. So let's go ahead and look at uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty-two. It says, just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam. And what, and what this is referring to being an Adam, that means you're not following Christ. That means you're, you're still living in the sin nature. Uh, you're still living the way you want to. You're not following after Jesus. Uh, so it says, everyone dies because they all belong to Adam. But everyone who belongs to Christ will be given a new life. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. God, just another opportunity that we could come together and spend time in worship, spend time in your word, spend time just uh, having, sharing life together. God, I pray that over this time as we dig into this truth of being in Christ, that God, I pray that you awaken our hearts and keep our minds aware so that we can just absorb this truth and apply it to our lives. God, we thank you for what you have done and what you will do. And it's your holy name we pray. Amen. And as we begin, I'll give you a quick history lesson um, of Ephesians. If you were here last week, I guarantee you I was not. Um, but I guarantee you, Pastor Kevin, he's like a big history buff. Uh, he probably spent a portion of the time just going over what is Ephesians. What does that mean? What is the city of Ephesus? Um, and here Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison in Rome. And most scholars believe this is around 65 to 80 AD. Uh, for those of you like, that doesn't matter to me. That's cool. That's just useless knowledge for you. Put it in your pocket. Use it on Jeopardy. But remember that uh, he is writing to those that were in worship to, uh, to, a, to a false god named Diana. Um, and the people that were just, and they also called her Artemis. Uh, but the whole city saw her as the supreme being from which all blessings came from. And their industry, everything they did in Ephesus revolved around worshiping this goddess. Uh, and there were also devout Jews who worshipped in Ephesus. Uh, and the city had around 250,000 people. Uh, that was big. When I lived in Georgia, there was like 2,000 people in the whole county. 
very rural area. It was very, very bleak and sad. Uh, praise God for Richmond. Uh, Paul, but here, Paul visits and sees a, a just a powerful revival take place in Ephesus. Um, and his purpose in this first chapter was to reshape the thinking of the new converts uh, there in Ephesus. And he wants to show them uh, their identity in Christ. And he outlines this idea um, of being in Christ. And over 216 times in the New Testament, uh, primarily in Paul's writings, uh, we see this idea of being in Christ. And you're going to hear that word like 100,000 times in this message. So when you leave here, you're going to be saying in Christ, in Christ. So just buckle in and just get ready. Um, but only three times out of, the, out of the New Testament, believers are called Christians. But it's over 216 times that it's referred to as being in Christ. See, our identity is who we are in Christ. Many people, we confuse what we do, our role, our title, with our identity. We think that we are a husband. We think we are a wife, a mom, a pastor, or a student. But that's not our identity. Our identity is, is in Christ. And everything, our activity, what we do, our roles, they flow from that identity. Um, I can be a good husband... And I can be a good pastor, I can be a good friend, um, but only when I know my real identity. Only when I can come to grips with that. And even personality profiles, they'll explain you, but only who you are in Christ defines you. Um, I, I grew up, uh, I was a triplet, I have two other brothers, we're the same age, we're identical. And for years, actually even to this day, I get called Stephen or David when I go back to North Carolina because people still can't keep us apart, even though we look drastically different now. Um, so I battled my, kind of my identity all through high school. Um, growing up, my parents would dress us all alike just to mess with all their friends. And we would dress alike, and what we would do, we would dress in three different outfits, and then we'd go change, like switch outfits, and try to trick our parents. Didn't work. They, they knew us too well. Um, but throughout high school especially, I, I kind of had to deal with that identity. Uh, I didn't want to be known as one of the triplets. I mean, I answered, if you just said, hey you, I would answer because typically they don't know which one they're calling. So they just say, hey you, and they hope they're getting the right one. Um, but like my brother Stephen was kind of like the gothic kid. He painted his fingernails black, wore a, a very tight jeans, little t-shirts. He was black hair, all this fun stuff. Uh, David was kind of more of the preppy kind of guy. He probably would wear something more like this. And me, I was, I was kind of hardcore thug. I, 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 I know, I know, I know. Everyone laughs. I don't know why you guys laugh when I say that. You act surprised. I don't get it. Um, but the truth is, is, as I started following Christ, I realized that my identity isn't in which triplet am I. But it's in Christ. It's in Him. And everything I do flows from that. Everything. So this morning, uh, I want to outline for you three truths of being in Christ. Um, and, if you, and, as, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, that means you're in Adam. Um, but if you are a follower of Christ, then you are in Christ. Uh, and it's important to know what that means. So let's jump into this. Uh, and you've got your talk notes with you. You can fill these out as we walk through them. Now the first truth is, we are blessed with all blessings in Christ. We are blessed with all blessings in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1 verses 1 through 3, it says, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus, who are faithful followers of Christ. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. 
All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. Paul addresses the Ephesians as faithful followers of Christ. Not, eh, you guys kind of know about Jesus, but faithful followers of Christ. And he, he actually identifies them as, as saints or holy people. Uh, he opens up his letter in Ephesians saying that they are blessed with all blessed, all the blessings in Christ. And here he's, he's presenting a paradigm shift. To the, to the congregation, to the people he's writing to. Uh, because again, the pagan Gentiles thought that all the blessings came from Diana. So they live their whole lives thinking everything good comes from Diana. And then they're saying, then Paul flips the script and says, wait a minute, it's not that, it's, it's Jesus? Well, what? You mean to tell me that I've been wrong this entire time? Paul said, yes, yes, you've been wrong this entire time. And the Jews, they thought they were blessed because they were obedient to the law. Um, the Torah, which is the, uh, found in Leviticus, first five books of the Bible, there's 613 laws. And Paul, he flips it and he shares that they are now blessed by Christ. Their source of blessing and changes and their position changes from the way they thought it was. You're thinking... That's neat, Keith. But what does that have to do with me? I don't worship a false god. Uh, I'm not Jewish. Uh, so wh wh where do I fit into this? Well, see, Paul was writing to the believers in Ephesus. So if you are a follower of Christ today, then you've got to understand that you're in Christ. That your identity in Christ is, most is the most important truth about you, yet it is one of the most neglected. We spend so much time uh, trying to receive or get blessings from God. Uh, we believe that if we can twist God's arm, that he'll bless us. And I've been there. God, if you'll just get me out of this situation, I will stop this shenanigans. I will follow you wholly and completely. And, and, and then I get out of the situation. And you know what I do? Go back to what I was doing. We try to do, we, we think that God is just a genie that we can just rub the lamp, grant, you know, speak what we want, get it, and you know, that's it. And for many of us today, we're more like the Jews in Paul's day. Uh, they believe that if they obeyed those laws, the 613 laws, that God would bless them. It was works-based. In Deuteronomy, I stated that you were blessed or cursed according to the works of the law. So as followers of Christ today, we have to understand that we are blessed in only one way, in one way only, and that's through being in Christ. And that's how we're blessed by Him. Um, in Adam... Uh, you worked hard to get blessed for, by God. But in Christ, Jesus gained God's blessing, and because of that, we're blessed in Christ. As, as we were singing that song and, I was, and doing that prayer, um, that we are able to overcome the enemy, not because of us, but because of Christ. It's not because of what we can or can't do, but because of what he's already done. And that's the same idea here. That when we are blessed by God, it's not because of what you did or what you didn't do. We can't twist God's arm. We can't make him do anything. But we're blessed because of what Christ has done for us. And the questions you have to ask, if, if you, to really understand this truth, to see, make sure you're actually getting it in your personal life, uh, you've got to ask yourself, uh, why is God pleased with me? How do I get God's blessing? How does God view me? And when you sit and you take these questions, especially how does God view me, that, that, that one really hits me hard. Because I'm very task-driven. And again, it, this was a journey for me to understand what it means to be in Christ. Um, I, I was one of those guys who thought that if, if I did something wrong, 
um, that, that God would just smite me or he'd, he'd uh, take something out of my life. He would curse me. Um, I thought that I had to make sure I was on my P's and Q's. Uh, when I first got saved, I would go to the altar and I would pray constantly because I would be scared that I did something wrong and I couldn't remember it. But because of that, I'm going to go to hell. And, and I lost the fact that I'm in Christ. And it's not because of my works that I, that I am saved, that I'm blessed by God. Because my position I had then was based on my standing, um, based on my state and not by my standing. My state is that I'm human and I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to fail. That's just a fact. But my standing is that I'm in Christ. There's a difference there. It's, like, it's almost like a balancing act. And I have a friend, his dad always says, I don't call you son because you shine. I call you son because you're mine. That's a nice little rhyme. You can write it down and keep it for later. Say to your kids and say you made it up. <laughs> but this is the truth of how it is between us and God. He doesn't call us son or daughter because we shine, because we have it all together, because we're perfect. But he calls us son or daughter because we're his. I have a three-year-old. If you have kids and you've been through the three-year-old phase, God bless you. You've made it. You're on the other side. Um, I don't call Amaya mine because she likes to throw things and draw with pen all over herself and give her self-made tattoos. Um, I call her my daughter because she is my daughter. And no matter what she does, I'm going to love her. Whether it's tough or whether it's easy. And the same is true with, with Christ and us. Uh, we are blessed and seated in the heavenlies with Christ because we're with Him. Because we are in Christ. And, and just every day, just thank God for that. You may think, I don't have anything to thank God about. You know, everything's going okay, but I don't really have anything to... Thank God for the fact that, that it's not dependent upon what you do or don't do. That we are blessed because we're in Him and not because of our works or our obedience or deeds. But... In Him, and in, in, in every area of your life, let that transfer. As a husband, as a wife, as a worker, as a boss, if you're a boss. Remind yourself that it's not because of what you do, but because of who He is. That you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. The second truth is we were chosen and adopted in Christ... We were chosen and adopted in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, uh, again, verses 4 through 8, again, we're walking through the whole book. Just, just get ready for it. Um, not today. Not today. Don't freak out. Not today. Um, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to him through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Here Paul addresses two other key issues that the Gentiles who worship the goddess Diana and the Jews dealt with. Now, the pagans who worshipped Diana had a religion based off of Greek mythology. Uh, the gods were not humans and would, have, would never adopt a human as a child. 
And the gods in Greek mythology were separate on a completely different level. Um, I, I watched a movie just the other night called, don't judge me, Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. It's a kid movie. It is what it is. And in this, it, it, it really, literally shows that in a perfect way. At the end of it, you've got uh, one guy, he's kind of staying there on Mount Olympus, and all these guys there are like that's as tall as Empire State Building. And it shows that they're completely separate from the actual human world. And they would, ne- and again, they would never just say, yeah, I'll take you, yeah, because you're human. You're, you're kind of like, eh, you're all right. It's kind of like Pastor Kevin and cats. He don't want a cat. Cats are separate from him. He would never adopt a cat. But the Jews knew God only as creator, but not literally as father. So Paul addresses the Gentiles being adopted into the family of God, and he is their father as well. Um, as now, you know, they're part of the family of God, but only through Christ, not because of works. So again, Paul deconstructs and reconstructs their thinking. Another paradigm shift. Paul just keeps dropping it on them uh, as he speaks of adoption and choosing. Um, and here, let me just go ahead and let me mention it. Some of you are thinking it. If you're not, great. Um, people get tied up with this verse as predestination. Um, does, you know, does God choose unconditionally? Does God you know, fill in the blank? Uh, the, here's the deal. Uh, no one argues or gets upset when a child gets adopted. Uh, like in everyday life, they kind of get excited. They're celebrated. Uh, so let's just rejoice that whether uh, you hold a predestination view or what's called an Arminian view uh, of free will, uh, that we are adopted and we're gods. Let's just let's just stay on that level. Um, but how this ties into us is that there's a beauty to being a Christian. Uh, no other religion in the world speaks of God cho- of God choosing and adopting people. Um, it, it doesn't speak of God as an adopting father and us as orphans who were adopted. Uh, and many of us in our society today struggle with acceptance issues. Insecurities uh, keep us from living a confident life so we can do great things for God. We think we're not good enough. Like Moses, I've got a stuttering problem. I, I, I can't do this. And some of us have issues with our earthly fathers. And it hinders us of how we view God. Because typically how you view your earthly father is going to transfer over to how you view our heavenly father. And some of us, me, myself included, we had to work through issues and make sure that the way we view our, earthly, our heavenly father is not the same as our earthly father, no matter the circumstance. Or maybe you got rejected. Maybe you got neglected. And that will transfer into how you view God. But the beauty here is that in Christ, God has chosen you and adopted you. Just let that sink in. He chose you. We just sang the song, Chosen Generation. It's not by happenstance. Ah, yeah, I guess I'll take him. Yeah, I guess so. But he chose you and adopted you. And it wasn't because of what you're going to do, not because of what you have done, but because he loves you. He loves you. Growing up, I was not very popular. Um, I was known. It's, it's kind of funny. I was known because I was a triplet, but I wasn't very popular. Um, and I remember when I uh, first got saved, 
Um, a lot of my friends I had kind of left me high and dry because I wouldn't party with them anymore. Um, I would I quit doing drugs, and they just kind of quit calling, quit hanging out with me. Um, I remember the last two years of my high school uh, life, I ate lunch alone. Which for myself, I kind of didn't care. I, I sometimes enjoy just kind of sitting there doing nothing. Um, but there was times where I just kind of felt rejected. Because all these people I just hung out with, shared life with, we hung out, we had fun, and now they want nothing to do with me. And I was like, is this, is this really worth it to be this lonely? And it, and it was in those times of, of you know, just studying and praying, I realized that being in Christ is enough. Um, because he chose me. Because he adopted me as I was. Um, and you can crucify feelings of insecurity and not, uh, and not feeling good enough by latching on to the truth that God has chosen you in Christ. That you are enough. That you are worth it. That you are his. That you bear his name. That he loves you. He loves you. You just let, just, just let that kind of sit with you for a moment. So we always sing songs. We kind of glance over. We talk about, you know, God so loved the world. Can we just, just pause and just realize the love of God is unconditional? That He loves you the way you are? That He accepts you? That it, nothing else matters. His love. And everything that's happened, why did He choose you? It's because He loves you. And on the days that you feel rejected or neglected or forgotten, you can look back at this passage in Ephesians 1 and thank God that he chose you, that he has adopted you because he loves you and for no other reason. The third truth um, that we'll talk about this morning is we are a part of his bigger plan in Christ. We are a part of his bigger plan in Christ. In Ephesians 1, 9 through 14, it says, God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance and he makes every wor everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would glorify, uh, would glorify and praise Him. Again, Paul addresses the same two groups of people and he shows them that the plan regarding their lives are to reveal the mystery of salvation in Christ. Uh, he mentions to both groups that they were both to praise and glorify God. And those words mean to express, express and show. Uh, so the Jews and Gentiles are to express and show to the world this mystery. They are a part of the plan that God put in place before the world began. Um, and how that ties in with us, it's, it's beautiful that we are in Christ. That we are chosen and adopted, but also, uh, like the church in Ephesus, we are a part of God's bigger plan. 
Uh, the bigger plan is that we are to reveal Christ to the world through love, through words, through deeds. Um, and remember the pastor Kevin uh, a couple of months back kind of shocked us and, and stated uh, that we have no purpose. That you as an individual have no purpose. Which kind of shocked because I grew up being taught that everybody has a purpose. So it was like, I was like, I kind of leaned in. I was like, say something else. Continue. Um, but what it's referring to is the fact that we don't have a purpose. Meaning that we don't have a unique little niche, little calling that's just for me. But our purpose is God's purpose of revealing Christ to the world. So if people ask you, you know, if you, if you kind of wonder if you're struggling with what's the purpose, why am I even here, this is it. This is our purpose as followers of Christ is to reveal Christ to the world. And many times uh, what this really means is we want to find, uh, when we talk about wanting purpose, and it's kind of just us wanting something for ourselves. Kind of, a, a, kind of like our own little summit that we can mark and say, this is mine, I did this, I climbed this mountain. Um, but the truth is, is that if we don't fulfill the purpose of God, if we don't uh, reveal Christ to the world, no one else will. That's our purpose. That's our call. You know, it, it's kind of like police officers. If they quit doing their job, everything would kind of go into chaos. Why? Because that's their purpose. In the same way, for our purpose is to reveal Christ to the world. Um, statistics show that 85% of Christ followers have not shared their faith with someone that doesn't know Christ in the last year. 85%. That's crazy. That means if, hypothetically, if there are 100 people in this room, 85 of, of us have not shared our faith in the last year with someone. That's rough. We're... Looking at this, we, I say we because I'm in this, I'm in the statistic. We're falling down on our purpose. And maybe it's because we get kind of lack, you know, laxy daisy, we just say we can do it tomorrow, or maybe it's because we're too scared. But we have to wake up each morning and, and, and just bask in the understanding that God chose us and adopted us so that we can do this, so we can f- reveal how awesome and amazing Christ is to the people we come into contact with. We're part of something, a, bi- a bigger plan. Something bigger than your personal five-year goal. Than your ten-year plan. Something that will transform and change the entire world. So the question is, how do we do that? How, how do we reveal Christ to the world? And, um, and, and honestly, we, we, we try to complicate things sometimes as Christians. Just share the love of Christ and, and, and what He's done for you and who He is to you. That's it. With the people you work with, with people... Uh, I go to Starbucks a lot. Um, and, and I am... Not, this past... Uh, let me think. Last Thursday, we got greeted as we walked in as, Hey, our pastor friends. And I, they don't know my real name. They just call me Pastor Friend, um, which is better than getting called my brother's names. So I can live with it. Um, but that's how we're known. The question is, is how are you known in your day-to-day life? Are you revealing the love of God into every area? Paul opens his letter up to this diverse church in Ephesus, letting them know that they are in Christ. He deconstructed their old ways of thinking and gave them a new way of living. That it's not about um, worshiping a false idol. That you're not saved because you, you're obeying all these said laws. But it's because of Christ. That we are in Him. 
how do you define yourself? What labels do you use? What do you put upon yourself? Maybe you try to say, I'm a husband, a wife, I'm a son, I'm a daughter. I'm an electrician, I'm a teacher. We've got to go from this point saying, I am in Christ. I am chosen. I am adopted. I am accepted. And I am loved by God. He has chosen, again, continue, He has chosen you to be a part of His bigger plan for humanity. You have self-worth. And you are loved. With every head bowed and eyes closed, let's pray. God, today we thank you. We thank you for everything that you have done for us. God, we could not save ourselves. God, I pray that we live in this truth, that we are in you, that we are in Christ. And it's not because of something we've done, but it's because you have accepted us as we are. You have adopted us. That's because of the great love that you have. Father, I pray that as we leave this place, that God, we go revealing the mystery of salvation. God, we go revealing your love. And because and it's a mystery because we don't get it. It doesn't make sense to receive something that you, we do not deserve. Father, I pray for opportunities in our lives, at work, at a home, Everywhere we go that we can reveal your love to people. Show it to them physically and not just talk about it. God, I thank you for what you're doing and what you would do. And it's your holy name we pray.